0: What's up <laughs> now, just recording a podcast. What's okay. up with Oh, not too much. You know what, though? What you need a counselor, thanks. So, do you? <laughs> I do need a counselor. You're right so welcome back to you need a counselor podcast i'm julie johnson i am the president and founder of heart and solutions we are strength-based counseling agency here in iowa and we are providing in office and also in home uh mental health counseling and behavioral health counseling across the state of iowa we're also offering telehealth right now so if you're listening to this and you want to do counseling on the phone or you wanna do counseling over the computer, uh, give us a call, let us know because we can go ahead and get you set up for that. And I'm Krista. I am the vice president at Heart and Solutions. So I am in charge of the behavioral health department where we work with kids ages 4 to 18 on improving different behavioral skill goals that they set. Um, And we go in home, in office, or like Julie mentioned, telehealth as well for that. Um, And this is You Need a Counselor. So the mission of our podcast is that we are designed for people curious about counseling but have barriers keeping them from experiencing the benefits of counseling. Our mission is to share stories about counseling, good, bad, and indifferent and spread the message that everyone can benefit from mental health and behavioral health counseling services so we post on sunday nights at 5 p.m that is central time 5 p.m central uh, in the united states (laughs) And, and we are we post on sunday nights and we also do a preview on Friday nights. Um, So check out that preview and then set your alarm or put it on your calendar for Sunday night uh, and save up your laundry, batch up your laundry. Nobody wants to do that during the week. Do that on Sunday night. Uh, That gives you the entire time to listen to the podcast. will keep you company. And it also gives you the entire week to call your counselor and get scheduled if you're not scheduled yet, or to call a counselor and get signed up to start counseling. So, oh my gosh, you guys, we, I am so excited. I don't think I've ever been this excited about an episode before. No offense to our previous wonderful guests, but I'm sitting here looking at a computer screen with two of my absolute favorite people in the entire, oh. literally oh. in the entire world. Yeah, not just in the country. Not just in the country, in the entire world. And I'm so, so happy about it. So welcome Vicki. Hi everybody! Hi. <laughs> so, <laughs> so our guest today is, like I said, she's one of my favorite, favorite people in the entire world. Um, and Vicky Hui is a licensed. Marriage and family therapist. She's a temporary licensed marriage and family therapist. She is practicing in Malaysia right now in Kuala Lumpur. In Malaysia. Hey, I said it.
1: <laughs> you got it right.
0: I got it right. So uh and so Vicky actually came and worked at Heart and Solutions as a counselor, and she was just telling me that it's been three years That's crazy. since yeah. then which I don't understand where those three years went, but it's been three years apparently since Vicky Mm -hmm. has had to leave the country. And we, I'm telling you, we did everything we could to keep this person here in being a counselor here in the United States because we need counselors like Vicky here in the United States. Um, But our loss is Malaysia's gain and Vicky is now doing school and also doing counseling in Malaysia. Um, so we're really, really excited to just hear about the differences between counseling here in the United States. You got your master's mm-hmm. here in the United States yeah. uh, in marriage and family counseling. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to have the experience of coming to the ne- United States and getting your master's degree in <sighs> marriage and family counseling here. Oh man, where do I start? Just the whole part
1: about uh, having to leave three years ago, like brought up a lot of emotions for me. it it, it was definitely a wonderful experience because I've never imagined it being a possible opportunity like when I approached my parents like can I do you know masters in marriage and family therapy in US they were like you sure? (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and the the university I went to which is uh, Mount Mercy University was the only one that offered me offer. So I'm like, okay, I guess no one else in the US. Let's just go there. That's <laughs> you know why
0: I'm right? going to Iowa.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I still remember my mom was asking me because there was different, different university I was applying to. And like, so there's this state that has tornado. There's this state that has like earthquake and stuff like that. I like, which do you want to go to? I'm like, I don't know, depending on what offer I get. And then the one I got, I'm like, okay, the tornado, I guess. <laughs> you picked the tornado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Basically, no choice either. Like, either I go there or I don't go at also, might as well just go and see what a tornado looks like, feels like. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was definitely a wonderful experience. And um, I think for the most part, is meeting all awesome people that I'm still in touch with. And, and that's great. And the opportunity to get to know myself a lot more, be- a lot better. Um, just being myself in the US and learning about marriage and family therapy, the whole systems approach allowed me to gain some insights into my family and stuff like that. Mm. And then working with you guys was also one of those. It's either this or nothing else. Like I applied for this, went for other interviews, and you gave me about okay, let's just go there. <laughs> I, like, I had no idea where Jack was now. Truth comes out five years yes. later. <laughs> yes, truth comes out. But also like, I know no idea where the university is, but let's, let's go on this adventure and try it out. So, and it was amazing one, right? I didn't, I never know what it feels like to live in a really small town where everybody knows you and you stand out. So that was that as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, working with kids. Uh, I remember like when I first started, I said, I don't think I will ever want to work with kids because I don't know how. Right. I'm not training it and all that, but most of my clients were kids and I was like, okay. And I'm so grateful for you guys to like motivate me and encourage me to do it because it was a really wonderful experience and I can come back and like, okay, I gained this whole experience that was so unique.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah.
0: Absolutely. I mean, so for reference, uh, when we interviewed Vicki, she was living in Cedar Rapids and we interviewed her out there. And then we said, Hey, you want a job in Jefferson, Iowa, which is two hours. No, three hours. hours. Yeah. Almost three hours away. Oh, it's two hours, two hours away. How many people are in that town? I don't know. (laughs) It's rural Iowa. Okay. It's a great place. It's a wonderful, wonderful place, but it is rural. Iowa is so different from Cedar Rapids. That was a, and Vicki just said, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? not? Um, And that is just one of my absolute favorite things about you is that any insane uh, adventure or idea or thought that I had while you lived here, I was like, hey, you want to do this? And you were like, yeah, why not? (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) And I think that, you know, because that's kind of your attitude in life, Mm. it has opened up all of those different doors for you. I mean, I remember when I first met you and I remember trying to get it through my head that like you moved to the middle of the United States, to Iowa, to tornado country. Knowing, you know, nobody to go to this school, which was complete unknown, to study marriage and family therapy, yeah. and knowing that you'd have to be there for at least three years and can and finish out yeah. your degree, I, I just thought this is a very interesting person. <laughs> to know this person this is an interesting person um just the courage that it took to come to a totally different country and study here and learn Mm. about the culture and learn about marriage and family therapy so what would you Mm. say you talked about your time in the united states and getting Mm. to know yourself a lot better Mm. and get and Mm -hmm. kind of getting to understand your family a little bit better Mm. too can you tell us a little bit more about that what did you learn about yourself so the the main
1: motivation that
0: I got into this
1: entire field to begin with was to understand my family and how I could fit in and how to manage a lot of um, ups and downs in the family, let's just put it that way. <laughs> and when I look into counseling, I was like, it, it doesn't quite, you know, hit the spot. And I was like, when I saw the title, Marriage and Family Therapy, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I have no idea what I'm going to put myself into, but it, the title makes sense to me. <laughs> so, let's let's try it out, right? So, I went to it and little did I know how much um, reflection on myself I needed to do. Mm-hmm. So, that was, so part of it was getting to know my family Um Uh, family tree the genogram like where my the history of where my grandparents came from what it was like for my parents growing up and things like that to to understand where they are coming from and so that journey in itself was not particularly easy right to understand why they behave the way they behave their parenting style and all that Mm. and about myself is more about like my own identity right as a daughter as as a friend and and overall, just my my person like where do I fit in in terms of my own unique views about life, um, my sexuality and things like that. And it's not something, you know, that is often talked about in in mm. families, right? Mm. Friends maybe, but not so much family. So going to the US allowed really allowed me to one like freely wear whatever I want, cut my hair however I want, uh, be however I want and fully experience what it's like to be accepted. Not to say that I don't have anybody back home here that accepts me for who I am, but it's a little bit more challenging, you know, like going out here, you get people staring. They're much less. I don't get as much, um, you know, like going to public public restrooms and things like that. is It's a whole different experience, right? And for people to acknowledge you for who you are was also a very um, amazing experience for
0: me. Wow, so can you tell us a little bit more about the differences between, you know, kind of finding acceptance here in the mm-hmm. United States and then kind of what it was like going going back to Malaysia and how was that adjustment for you? Honestly,
1: it felt like kind of like a blur and now I thought i think back about it. Um, finding acceptance in in Iowa, in Cedar Rapids, where I was, uh, was something, I would say, unexpected. Like you said, you know, I moved there not knowing anybody. Um, I remember my first day on campus for for a tour around the campus, and that's where I met one of my first very good friends from Iowa. Like, she was the one who took me on tour with other international students. Um, and then it somehow that friendship broke into her introducing me to a bunch of other undergraduates, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm the only international student from Malaysia, and only graduate student living on campus, and then now I'm hanging out with a bunch of undergraduates, and like, okay, this is, you know, I guess normal, right? <laughs> um, I don't know how to feel, but I, I'm also very grateful because they were just very accepting and welcoming, and they were like, let's go lunch together, you know, all those Fun activities over the weekend, like, like, hey, Vicky, let's come and do this with us, and all that. And they brought me up to like IHOP and things like that. It was just, I couldn't ask for better friends, right? <laughs> uh, and they really helped me to adjust into just living that. Like, right, the friend I was talking about, Caitlin, um, her mom, right, helped decorate my apartment and things like that so that it wasn't just unfair. So that was like so heartwarming And they became like a very close family friend Like they met my family as well Also like meeting classmates, friends um, Everybody's just been like very interested in knowing And when I, you know, came out telling anything at all Everybody was just, yeah, like you're just Vicky and, and we love you for who you are And just like, okay, that's like Nice and also a bit like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this because then we're, we're not that expressive at home, mm. and it's Something I had to adjust to. And coming back to Malaysia, wow, the first few months I was just at home. I, I first of all my family moved to another state mm. because my sister was working in another state. And so the family moved to, to and like, my sister had a son, and we were like my parents were looking after the grandson. So I moved there. I'm like, okay, this is a place that you know I've visited once but I've not lived in. My friends are all in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, I got no job. I was waiting to hear about the work visa and the news was just like, when no, it's going to come? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just adapting back to the whole family system because I've been, you know, I was away for two, almost three years I think and while I did visit like for, I think a month or so prior starting at Heisman Solution, um, it was still like manageable because I wasn't like fully back into the system. But mm. like, going back home then it's like, okay, then now if there's an argument or if there's any conflict, I'm actively in-person part of it. Versus like, you know, I've got some distance and I can regulate myself and deal with it mm-hmm. more differently. Um, and then like not knowing what it would be like to find a job back home here. And when I found out the news, like, yeah, the, our, my file was just not full when we were applying for the work. visa, so I'm just like, <sighs> okay, let's start. Okay. And I looked up like counseling jobs and most of them required the counselor to be a registered counselor. I'm like, okay, I don't have that. Let me go apply for that. Mm. And I applied. And then I started like, waited and then they didn't get back to me and then I called and then they eventually they told me, yeah, sorry, we cannot approve this because your master's didn't say master's in counselling. So you don't fulfill the criteria. Mm. And I was like, so is there any way like you know, I can take extra courses to just make up for it? And I'm like, no, we kind of need that master's in counselling. Mm. And I didn't know anyone that has been in the same boat so I was like crap so like what do I do right and then fortunately I came across um, my current supervisor who is a also marriage and family therapist and he's also a supervisor, a pro supervisor under AAMFT. so I was like okay he gave a talk on like uh, mental wellness for mental practitioners I'm like, okay I'm gonna go for it Mm-hmm. I went there and I was like, okay, I want to talk to him, but like, I don't know how to approach. Never met this guy before. <laughs> <sighs> and again, some, some like random, very kind stranger, but also a fellow mental health practitioner was like, go, Vicky, just, just go. He's very nice. Just go. Go oh, like, ask him. <laughs> just go ask him. Like, okay, let's do this. So after the talk, I was like, okay, like, so this is my situation, like, can you help me? Right? And so he offered me. A position as a clinical intern and of course i was a little bit bummed. It's like you know i've graduated and i'm temporarily licensed mm-hmm. and i've one year working as me it's like oh, no, it's like i'm stopping all over again it's like, mm-hmm. okay like at least somewhere right and i can get my hours to fulfill my, my io license
0: mm-hmm. so in the
1: meantime it was a part-time basis thing so my parents suggested hey why not you go do a master's or a phd something and get yourself registered Then At the end of the day, if you, you know, manage to do both and then you get two licenses, and that's a bonus and you can go anywhere, mm. basically. I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. I have some time. So part-time studying, why not, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, and my, my, my father was so confident. Like, yeah, plus you have already one master's, so it'd be easy peasy for you.
0: I was <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah, <laughs> you're <laughs>
1: Let's go for two years. Yeah, Super I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I went into it. I'm like, okay. First few semesters like, oh, okay, let's do this. But After a while, I'm just like, oh my God, this is too much. And I started working from three days a week to five days a week, sometimes six. Fortunately, my am also very grateful that my supervisor was very uh, kind in also helping me get some hours, especially like group hours, seeing um, groups and families and couples. So I joined in and got most of my hours So I'm almost there Hoping by March or April this year I'll get my I.O. license nice. um, But yeah, so it's, it's been a journey And so from the first year of clinical intern I became a senior clinical intern last year And this year I'm officially an associate So whew, yes, <laughs> it's been a journey Yeah, so that thing uh, I would say it hasn't been easy But also grateful for all the opportunities and and friends and, you know, friends here and also friends in in Iowa that I've still been in touch with that, you know, just supported me throughout this entire
0: journey. Wow. So you went back to Malaysia and Mm -hmm. they said, you can't, you don't qualify to be a counselor. Mm -hmm. And so you had to kind of start that process again. So what was it that uh, I know you talked about friend support and and kind of family encouragement, but I mean, gosh, how did you how did you make yourself do that? <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um,
1: my my parents call it me being stubborn. shall <laughs> just call it me being very determined and persistent in that. <laughs> I want I I want first of all I want to finish off what I started. So I've already started the whole temporary license, you know, getting my hours. I'm like, I I want to finish this. My hook or my crew, even if I would have to like, you know, go pay an overseas supervisor to get my supervised hours, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to be a full-fledged licensed therapist. And, And that's, that has always been my dream. And, um, the whole private practice part is a whole other story side, cycle. But like, this is my thing. And it's something that no matter how tired I get or I am, I think I it's something that I, I always wanted to do and will always want to do. So I think that is the main fire behind like, do this. Like, like no matter how hard it is, just just keep going. One day at a time, you, you get there and you get it done and you'll be you'll be okay and just, yeah,
0: push through it. Wow. So any client who works with you gets the benefit of somebody who loves counseling so much that they're willing to, yeah, to get their master's again after just going through the process and continue to work uh, a job that you were overqualified for let's call it that right (laughs) like you you're overqualified for this job but you're willing to do that because Mm. it's it's what it takes to get that full license and to finish out what you started and as you were saying yeah. that i had to smile because that's also one of my very favorite things about you it's just i don't know when you when you start something you you do it you know it, you're you're the person who if, even if you hate a book you'll finish the book right like that is <laughs> that's tricky that, it might take me that, longer, but, uh, i'll try to finish <laughs> she won't like you won't enjoy it right but you'll <laughs> you'll finish You'll finish the book. Um, And I think that's what makes you such a consistent counselor and such a consistent person. I know as somebody who like you're, you're definitely, you know, a a really consistent person in my life, even though we're across the world from each other. And I think that it is, it's that stubbornness. that maybe your parents call it stubbornness but i like to call it, de- it. <laughs> determination um is to you know to finish out what you started so mm-hmm. it just shows i think your your love for counseling and your passion for helping other people that you would go through all of that and then go through all of that again <laughs> so what are some differences in terms of like what is counsel what's different about counseling in iowa versus counseling in malaysia in
1: terms of the studies or in terms of like actually practicing counseling which one both Both. (laughs) (laughs) so um there isn't actually a an official course or program for marriage and family therapy here they're still in the process of doing that um, my supervisor is actually part of this whole Malaysia MFT organization um, that's in the move of doing that. Mm. But here, um, MFT is a um, marriage family therapy. It's just a subject that it's an elective subject that people take during their counselling courses. Um, so counselling here in terms of studying, um, they focus more on career counselling and group counselling. So because they, most of the counsellors um, do that, focus on that in schools, and all that um, and do group counseling versus actual couples and family. There is, uh, there are counselors who do that, uh, but they are less. They, those require more training. So they attend more training to do that. So Whereas in US, there's different more range. So we have MFD, we have social worker, we have licensed mental health practitioners here in Malaysia is either um, counseling clinical psychology I think those are the the two options that you have. And usually people are just torn between that. Do you want to do more assessment based or do you want to do like counseling in person? People get struggle between that. Um, They don't have as many options. In terms of work, um, where do I start? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The differences, Um, for the most part, I think the clients are not that much of a difference. Um, in terms of like, you know, the the presenting issues that we come with, you know, depression, anxiety, addiction, um, family stuff, couples, conflicts, and things like that are pretty common. Um, I think the difference is one, we don't have insurance covering services yet. So for a lot of people, counseling or therapy is not affordable. Um, We have, we have cheaper, uh, more affordable services, but those will have a longer waiting list, right? So for those who are more urgent cases is it's kind of difficult for them right and even when i was a clinical intern and our fees were about 50 ringgit for an hour that would be about less than 20 less than 20 usd us dollars for that um and still for some people it was difficult so it's tough and um that's also the whole stigma of like you know when you come for counseling people will think like something's wrong with you. So when it comes to family, it's it's quite challenging because when they have like, for example, marital issues, like, but families are so involved here that they, what if I go there and then my, my parents will disagree with it and things like that. Or mm-hmm. there are some that are there at, because their parents think, you know, that's the only option. So go there. So And that will also create some resistance for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for some people, they just, they find that maybe they can get better relief um, in other options, paying the money, doing something else than going to counseling and fixing something or working on something that they are not the only one contributing to it. So yeah, it's it's different, different reasons. Yeah, that's the main main differences I can think
0: of. In my mind, the United States is pretty characterized as like, individuals like individualized mm-hmm. people like we're all like we can do it i just need to work hard and i like i make my decisions for myself right and everything's like what's best for you make sure you do what's best for you yeah and which is like it's not a bad thing it's no. just like i think that that's more of the culture here whereas mm-hmm. um in other countries and it sounds mm-hmm. like in malaysia and like in korea where my biological family live like It's, you don't have that like individualized emphasis on like yourself and doing things that like make you happy or that, Mm -hmm. you know, work for you. It's more like the context of the family is actually so much more intricate. And, you know, you talked about like people coming to couples counseling, and then the external family, like the parents of one partner and the parents of the other partner play such a strong role in that. Um, And I mean, if my parents were if I was going to couples counseling because my parents were making me like, I would have resistance <laughs> to that. Like that's a, that's a natural complication I think of that. Yeah. Um, and then the idea that, well, my parents might agree or disagree mm-hmm. with something that, you know, my husband and I are doing in counseling. I think that is such a cultural difference. Is that, is that right? That it's more of like a family and was dynamic yeah it's a, it's very much a
1: family dynamic
0: I mean I don't I
1: don't know how much like parents would disagree of like what couples do in in family in couples counseling but it's kind of also like sometimes you see couples being stuck in the same cycle because of the responses or reactions that they get from their parents like you know they, they try to resolve it between the couple like, okay, you do this, you know, then we can get over this. But then you get in-laws who have like more reactions of what, what you do. So it's like, it's a never-ending cycle until you address the, the parental subsystem. Mm. So that's also a challenge that like like, you then bring them in and do they even want to come in? Mm. And when they come in, are they even going to acknowledge that it's something that they want to change, right? So yeah, it's, it's very much um, family, very collective perspective here. And a lot of guilt going on, going on as well, because like you know, we want to sort of instill that autonomy, that sense of agency, and to be assertive and all that. But there's very common theme of, but what if my parents feel this? What if I hurt their feelings? And what if I hurt my family's feelings? And, and you know, things like that. And that can keep people stuck in certain patterns
0: in cycle. Wow. So it sounds like in Malaysia, marriage and family counselling is even more important. It should be Uh, a thing there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think when people read that title, they also
1: assume like, oh, so you are only trained in working with couples and families. Hmm. So when couples are struggling and they call in and they're like, I specifically want somebody who has that title and or somebody who just wants to work on their individual stuff and they call in and then they're like, uh, so can you work with me on individual stuff? And like, yes, I can. Well, my title says this. I'm actually trained to work with individuals on the spectrum of things. So yeah, it's, it, and it's a lot of um, educating people what our the, the title means as well and what we can do. Yeah, another thing I wanted to highlight also, I think as I recall your question I and mean like what the difference is in practicing. I think here um the boards, the board of counselors are, are very much focused on the term counselor. So um some of us who are marriage and family therapists, we call ourselves therapists, we don't call ourselves counselors, just mm. to make it like clear. Oh. Yes.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah because because there's the counselors and then there's the more like researchers and then yeah. so you, you you don't say counselor if you're not we technically what they would what they consider a counselor correct yeah so we call ourselves
1: therapists and so we are not kind of governed by the board of counselors here for marriage and family therapists or you know any other. those are not con- registered counselors
0: yeah wow oh. and you said that there's more of a focus on like career counseling, Mm do you find Mm -hmm. that there's more of a focus there than there even is here? I feel like not that many people here in the Mm. United States get career counseling. Uh, Maybe their high school guidance counselor or something, right, might talk to them about career. But uh, do you find that that's a a much broader uh, service out there? Definitely, in the sense that, you know, we
1: we also have counsellors working in school so those will also provide guidance counselling when you're in school mm-hmm. um, but career counselling here also focuses on like for those who are let's say during this pandemic and they they lost their job and what's next right they've mm-hmm. done this job for 10 20 years and, and now they lose their job like how where do I go next or some that have been working for a long time and now they're like I, I don't feel motivated anymore I don't I've lost that passion I've lost that that interest and now I want to look for something else. Mm. Or finding a part time job in something they're interested in but it's so difficult and not sure what to get into. Um, so that's where career counseling can, can come in and I don't recall or have any experience doing that for clients in the US.
0: I feel like it's not very common for adults to get career counts. I mean, it makes total sense that it would be helpful in so many situations. Mm. Um, And I remember one time I had to, so I had, I had quit a job and I was doing unemployment. And so I needed Mm. to go to this like interview training situation. Mm. And I remember thinking while I was in this group setting that, oh, I need to be giving out my business cards because because everybody in there was in crisis. Um, Everybody in there was either had just quit a job that they hated or they were, you know, had been laid off from a job that they loved uh, or Mm. they were kind of just figuring out who they are. And we spend so much of our time at work that we should enjoy it somewhat. Like we should Mm. be, we should have some drive to do that. Um, Yeah. And, and I feel like that's not really talked about a whole lot in this country. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting, too, that you say that, like, the clients and the issues that people come in for, Iowa, in the United States, in Malaysia, really, people are people. Um, yeah. And I think that's just so cool. Like, that's such, that's such an interesting thing to me, because I always, you know, wonder about that. Well, are these... American problems, right? Or these Iowa problems? And uh, for you, having experienced that uh, here and in Malaysia, it's like these are human problems (laughs) that we're working with in counseling. I think that's so cool. It's definitely, you know,
1: I see a lot of similarities.
0: I guess maybe one of the
1: bigger differences is that it's not as much spoken about here. Like I think until more recently in the past few years, like mental health has not been... Highlight, highlighted as much, right? And, and especially during the pandemic, a lot of people reporting mental health struggles um really make it clear and out there like, hey, we're all human beings and we're all struggling and we need help, and it's very normal. Whereas before this, it's like, yeah, depression, anxiety, you know, just stay low, just, just deal with it, like deal with its own sort of mentality, and it's so unhealthy. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, like in the US, it's more. Common, I don't know, and maybe common to a point where, like, people just kind of brush it off as well. I don't
0: know. I mean, I hope we are. I want to <laughs> get, I want, I want to be there for sure, yeah. where it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to my counseling session, yeah. and then I'll meet you for lunch later. Like, that's,
1: that it's, is the dream. That's where we want to be. being there, it's way
0: more than it used to be, for sure. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Have you seen counseling change in Malaysia, even over the last three years? You said during the pandemic, you're seeing a little yeah. bit of a shift. Yeah, definitely, a, I, I,
1: to me, at least, it's a big shift. Like, people are more um, open to calling and asking for services mm. um, during this pandemic. I mean, before also, there, there are, but it feels like that the ones that are more privileged in some sense and more um, ed, exposed to the idea of getting mental health um, help are more keen to, to approach themselves. But as during this pandemic, everybody's struggling, and um, I hope we are not the last straw of, of help. Uh, sometimes it feels that way. Um, but yeah, but that's definitely a big shift in people feeling like, okay, this could be a viable, helpful resource for us to, to get through this. And so I we have a lot more people calling in for services, scheduling for services, and they actually stay through it which
0: is great. Do you feel like there are different barriers for people getting counseling? I know you talked about the insurance situation, mm-hmm. right? Like where mm-hmm. here in the United States we kind of we have insurance companies that kind of pay for stuff and and uh, where you're working that's not um, a typical situation so people would have to pay out of pocket for that. Uh, do you see other barriers out there in Malaysia that you didn't see here for people coming into counselling? Or were there uh, barriers here that you maybe don't see in Malaysia?
1: I, I want to go back to just the, the main stigma and awareness and education about mm-hmm. mental health. And I, I, I recall, like, you know, for us, when, we, when I was practicing in the U.S., for insurance to cover, you have to sort of have a diagnosis, right? And people coming here, sometimes they think that you know I I might need a diagnosis to make sense of what I'm going through, and that can be a double-edged sword for mm-hmm. for some people. And it it's been quite a struggle in that you know there are some of us who may think you know diagnosis is not everything it it doesn't it's not the only way to see what you're struggling with Mm. but some people also may think that you know without this diagnosis then how how do you measure how how do you how do you know where you're going and what you're treating and things like that but with that diagnosis comes with a lot of stigma as well and when you get a diagnosis and then you have to go through a process of can you accept that what does it look like in accepting that diagnosis as well and i don't know what it it's like for for clients in the US to, to receive that diagnosis pretty much like, like here you go, this way. is your diagnosis, right? Yeah, so I, that that's one of the main thing that the whole stigma of like mental health means diagnosis means something's wrong with you, right? And it's a difficult process of like, no, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean that you cannot, you know, figure out how to cope with it or, or change your behaviors and deal with your emotions and things like that that's the biggest thing that i can think of and i don't recall anything in the u.s that was a barrier there and not very so
0: because you guys don't take insurance Mm. you have to give a diagnosis or could you be seeing someone and never officially diagnose them
1: you can see somebody and never have to give a diagnosis
0: Hmm. that's different yeah yeah and also
1: like because here the The mental health practitioner that actually gives a diagnosis is either a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist. Marriage and family therapists, counsellors, don't do diagnosing. We don't do it here. We can highlight like, okay, maybe you have several, you meet several criteria and symptoms, so let me refer you to somebody who can actually do the detailed detailed assessment to give you an, Mm -hmm. an actual diagnosis, if you would like it. But otherwise, if you don't feel like you need one, and we can just work with the symptoms that you, you share. let's just go with that.
0: Wow. That's yeah. very different. Yeah. Yeah. And also
1: we try to, well, not, not all of us, I, can, I can't say all of us. For myself personally, like, if the clients, uh, for one, don't actually need medication, so we won't then refer to psychiatrists. But of course we also leave it to the psychiatrists to decide whether med- medication is necessary, right? And if if, a diagnosis is not necessary so that I don't refer. Just go with that and, and do the usual screening of like depression, anxiety, kind of see where your baseline is, where you're at right now and use that to measure your progress
0: you know with marriage and family therapy especially diagnosing can be very complicated because you're yeah. the insurance companies here in the in the US and and you remember mm-hmm. this, they they want a diagnosis right away yeah. and they want a diagnosis yeah. of one person <laughs> and when you're work, when you're trained as a marriage and family therapist and you're trained to be working with the system mm-hmm. uh, of the family that is very very complicated. I mean, that's a hard Mm -hmm. ask because your client is the couple. Your client is the family um, as a marriage and family counselor and not the individual person who happens to be the one that the insurance is looking at uh, to pay that claim. So uh, do you find that that's a little bit easier to work with couples than families without the, the pressure or the need for that diagnosis oh definitely i think
1: when when there's one person who has some form of diagnosis and you come in as well, a couple of family it tends to make the shift the focus on like hey this person is the one with the most mm. symptoms or the most obvious symptoms let's deal with that but that's it could be just that you know this person is the symptom barrier for for the entire family system mm. and like you know, you can't just fix this one person, you have to look at where you're contributing to this and it's difficult for people to see that like what do you mean right. Like, I'm not the one who has all these ex- extra issues and things like that and why do I have to lose myself so that's yeah that can be very challenging and I get actually feel a little bit uncomfortable when people ask me whether if I can diagnose something like but. I know there's a lot more that can contribute to what you're struggling with than just a simple diagnosis.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, it's complicated.
0: Absolutely. Well, I like that because when you're working with the family, it is insurance does kind of, I mean, insurance is great because it, it pays yeah. for the services, right? Yeah. So it does, it does take away for some people, it takes away the barrier that you were talking about before of having to pay for your session. Mm-hmm at the same time, you know, because the insurance companies require a diagnosis, even for a family or even for a couple, um, then it can make it really easy for, uh, for that one person to be scapegoated and to mm-hmm. be, you know, have the whole focus be on, well, if that person had their symptoms fixed, then everything would be great in the family. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no because no. <laughs> the family is made up of more than just that one person and so their symptoms are exacerbated by the family or their symptoms are a reaction to or a requirement right of the family they might those symptoms might be protecting the family from uh-huh. something worse um mm-hmm. and so i like the idea of you know, not having to do a diagnosis for one person in the family because it really does level the playing field of like every yeah. person in the family is a member of the family. So right. they are all equally a part of the problem and they're all equally part of the solution. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really nice. It doesn't have that same power dynamic, I guess. Yeah,
1: definitely. And and I sometimes, you know, when you, you, you diagnose just that one person, and then the family members constantly kind of feed into that cycle. Is then the person gets over identified with their symptoms and their diagnosis. Mm. Then you have another thing to go and
0: tackle on. It's
1: like, how do I help you to see that you're not your diagnosis?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't. It's just very interesting to me the differences. <laughs> um between the two countries and like what a unique experience uh you've had and what a unique perspective you bring to counseling and that you bring to uh the clients that you work with uh being able to bring kind of that that training that you got here and then also the training that you're getting there uh and kind of bring that all together it's such a unique worldview.
1: thank
0: you yeah That's really, really cool. If there's anybody in Malaysia and they were on the fence about counseling, right? Mm -hmm. What what advice would you give them or what would you, what message would you want them to hear uh, if they're on the fence about counseling? Mm
1: -hmm. I would say to them, it's all within your control, right? You come in, you meet your therapist. If it's not a right fit or you meet a counselor, if it's not a right fit, you get the change right? You've got to find the right fit for you. Mm. And even if it's the right fit and you decide maybe counseling is not for you, you also get to terminate at any point you want. Mm. And how fast or how slow you want to go through the, the whole entire journey and process, it's also up to you. So it's all within your control and just give it a try. If you don't like it, you don't have to continue.
0: I love that. I like the idea of control because I think that uh, one of the barriers to starting counseling is that idea that like, I'm going to lose control though of my situation. Like I'm going to have another person in my life telling me what to do. And you know, another person in my life that I have to live up to their expectations. (laughs) Um, And also the idea of like, I'm not ready to make huge changes in my life. Like I don't maybe even want to make a ton of changes Mm -hmm. in my life. And I love what you're saying that it is totally within every client's control. So it's, you know, for my counseling, for myself, my counseling is my business. I get to decide who I see, I get, Mm -hmm. and I, I go through counselors sometimes, right? Because I, in each phase of my life, right. As I was a teenager, as I was a young adult, now in my thirties as a mom, I mean, different counselors Mm -hmm. are a good fit for me at each time. And I get to choose what I want to work on. Like I get Mm -hmm. to set my own goals um which is so exciting and uh as somebody who like comes to Vicky quite a bit not as your Vicky's not my counselor however (laughs) when I have some serious existential crisis going on (laughs) in my life I go to Vicky and uh and I will say that you know it it, it does take that patience. And I think one of the major themes throughout this entire interview, as you were talking about your the process of your school and work and licensure and finishing what you started is patience. It's all, it is about patience. You have patience in abundance, um, which is apparently what it takes to be in my life for that long. <laughs> to hear every one of my problems for that long. However... <laughs> You know, I would say that that patience is just so key. And if you're looking for that in the people in your life and the support people in your life, like the people in our lives are busy, right? But your counselor can have that space for you and be patient with you throughout your entire process for that hour a week. Um, And they don't, they don't have any reason to rush you yeah. through it. Um, and so I love that, just that idea of you're in control. You're in control yeah. of your counseling session. Yeah.
1: I also tell my clients, you know, even if you decide that you're, in, you're only going to make 10% or 20% of shifts, it can go a long way. You don't have to do a whole one mm-hmm.
0: I like that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 10% is like... forward movement is forward movement it makes a huge difference that's great I think sometimes yeah it 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 is a barrier where we say well that's where I want to be and that's too Mm. it's too much it's too much change it's too hard the goal's too big Mm -hmm. uh and being able to say like well no what's what's one thing (laughs) right Mm -hmm. like what's breaking it down into those smaller pieces um, is so important and it's it's so important to have somebody like a counselor in our life that can give us the permission to do that <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. we should call this episode you need a therapist uh <laughs> so that we don't offend the Malaysian <laughs> counseling board <Yes. laughs> yeah don't call her a counselor I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call this one you need a therapist like Vicky Huey yeah. Oh. It's gonna be Vicky Hoy, Vicky Hoy, 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 Hoy. Hoy. yes, Hoy, <laughs> Julie, <laughs> Vicky, <laughs> oh my gosh, okay, I, it, um, I'm glad it took this long for it to devolve into what I knew it. Meant.
1: I'm Vicky Hoy and I need a therapist. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. So do we. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> we do. I need a counselor like Vicky. Okay, so, all right, so if you are in uh, Malaysia, if you're in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, call Vicky. How do they get in touch with you if they want to get signed up for counseling with you?
1: They can look up Rekindle Therapy, Rekindle Center for Systemic Therapy in Kuala Lumpur, and they can find me in the list of clinicians.
0: All right. And can they yes. specifically ask to work with you? Yes, they can. Okay. So when they call in, the
1: front desk um, will uh, we'll lead them to my profile on the website. They can read through that. And then, with a bunch of other therapists as well, and they get to decide if I'm the right fit for them. And also, they get to know about my fee structure and if that is affordable to them, if they're okay with that, then we can proceed as well perfect
0: okay so rekindle counseling uh if rekindle you're in therapy rekindle therapy <laughs> not counseling I'm not counseling no nope, it's not counseling you don't need a counselor you need a therapist, a therapist. <laughs> yes. yes okay so rekindle therapy uh if you are interested in scheduling with vicky uh, look them up, give them a call, let them know that you want to start working with Vicky. And if you are in Iowa and you want to start counseling, uh, go ahead and give us a call here. We're doing telehealth, we are doing computer counseling uh, and we are doing in-home and in-school and in-office counseling as well. So give us a call at 800-531-4236. You can also find us at on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash heart and solutions. Uh, You can also find us on Instagram at iHeartSolutions or at our website at heartandsolutions.net. So go ahead and reach out to us. Uh, If you are in another state or even if you're in another country, reach out to us. We've had several people reach out to us on Facebook uh, or on Instagram and just asking us, how do I get a counselor? Like, yeah, I want that how do I get that? Even if you're in another state and we can't offer it through Heart and Solutions, we will get you set up with a counselor. So reach out to us, you guys. We love that. That is so exciting for us. That's why we That's why we do it every week. So uh, reach out to us there. You can find us there uh, on Facebook at You Need a Counselor Podcast. You can find us on Instagram as well. And like Julie mentioned at the beginning, we post Sunday nights at five. So save up your laundry or your chores from the week so you can do them while you listen to us on Sundays, um, or listen to us Monday morning as you're getting ready for the week to help um, encourage you to call a counselor or therapist, and/or um, get scheduled with your current counselor or therapist as well. Uh, you can also send questions to us on facebook messenger or on instagram Uh, send us a dm on instagram if you have questions for vicky so if you want to know what it's like uh to be in counseling in malaysia if you have other questions about that or if you have questions about what it's like to go to graduate school in another country um let us know also if you've got questions about marriage and family therapy. Uh, Vicki's the first marriage and family therapist that we've had on the show. So if you've got questions about that, send us those messages because we'd love to have Vicki on the podcast again. And if we get questions on there, uh, we'll have Vicki uh, answer those questions right here on the podcast for you. Okay. I'm Krista Brown. And I'm Julie Johnson. And we need a counselor. And so do you. Bye. Bye.